Welcome to Untangling Christianity. I'm John Polstrup. And I'm Greg Monty. So how was your Easter? You know, um, it turned out okay. It turned out okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> we, we, uh, we, little, it's little, supposed little... to be a day of celebration. <laughs> well, you see, we decided to invite 13 people over. To your house? Yeah. What was and the we, occasion? Just like for Easter lunch or brunch or dinner? Just, or? Yeah, just like kind of get together and um, yeah, and that was, I mean, it turned out okay. It actually, in fact, well, I wouldn't say it turned out okay. It was a great time. But, you know, it's one of those things where we, some, <laughs> I don't know if this is a strategy at your house at all, but at, at our house, one of the one of the kind of cleanup strategies is let's invite a bunch of people over so that we can... Um, prompt ourselves to have our house clean and tidy <laughs> i always tell tommy i'm like we should we should have people over more often because i yeah because <laughs> i love that feeling like right after everyone is left and you're just like man the house is in such great shape i know and it really is true but but the process of getting there is painful be really painful. exactly yes so I'm, I'm reflecting on the pain of getting the house there the day itself you know, with the people over and everything like that and, and such went really well. So I was really glad about that. So what did you do for, like, did you go to church? What was your... Yeah. yeah what, I mean, and I'm curious too, like, what, 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 well, it's a deeper question. I guess I'm just kind of curious, like, what does Easter mean to you? And what, like, what did you think about? Or what was your experience of Easter as you went to ter- church this year? Right. Well, those are two very different things. What it means to me and what my experience was... This year, fair enough. Uh, but I'll just say, yeah, we did go to church, and um, yeah, we haven't really kind of talked about this a lot recently. But I mean, I think it's fair to put it this way: um, we are thinking for the first time, I think, in our married lives. So the first time as a couple, uh, and that would be in the last twenty-two years, we are. Th- thinking about membership at this church. So that's the short form of saying it's going really well for us at this church. We're really kind of thinking that this is a good place and a place that we can be ourselves and a place we can invest in. That's good. Yeah, it's completely unheard of. I'm kind of still in shock about it, but um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what comes out of all that. But um, so yeah, I mean, it was was good to go to church. I went to a, a Good Friday service uh, as well, not at that church, but it was here in this small town that I live in, and it was an ecumenical service. So, in other words, you, you know, all uh, anyone and everyone is invited, but but specifically, all of the churches in town were were, were specifically invited, right? And and if 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 a minister at a given church wanted to speak, then that person had a time. There's a time slot allotted. There's a certain amount of time for speaking. And I think they either split it up, like there are too many churches here to allow everyone a chance to speak, but either, you know, they have five slots a year and they just kind of divvy them up year by year or however they do it, I don't know. But I wanted to support that, you know, the ecumenical kind of uh, nature of it. And And what does that look like? Like, are these different denominations of Christianity or like any religion? No, it's, they're all Christians. They're all Christians. And this is, yeah, it's this kind of Good Friday thing. And, um... I, I will admit, you know, I, I often have to think about what it's like for other people to be there 
and to experience this. People who are having difficulties with, you know, certain questions about their faith or whatever. Uh, because I found it quite um, – uh, the only word that's coming to my mind is painful. It, it was, it was um, extremely awkward at certain moments. And I'm still glad I went and I'm glad they did it. Uh, and I don't think it always has to be awkward or painful. And by painful, what I mean is there were people presenting different views that, you know, appeared to me to be really problematic. And um, I guess there's also the the fact that I live in a small town. We've discussed this before on earlier podcasts. And um, there's stuff that happens in a small town and you tend to know about it. And so it's difficult when you hear someone speaking on the one hand, about this or that, but having some space from, you know, the uh, the lectern, and yet at the same time, you know some of the stories about how this person or the people that this person works with have have been really instrumental in in harming a lot of people. So that's um, that's a tough one, and that that kind of left me uh, feeling very uncomfortable afterwards, but. So I don't know if that's a, probably not the road you were planning on me going down, but. <laughs> but what about Easter itself? So, you know, my, if someone unfamiliar with Christianity was to ask me, well, what's Good Friday and Easter all about at church? Mm-hmm. Typically, Good Friday is the real downer, dark, um, here are the awful things that Jesus went through. And then that's on Friday, and then Sunday is the big celebration that he's arisen and he's alive, and um, yeah, very upbeat, very sometimes overly happy, um, mm. kind of situation. Yeah. Well, I guess my um, my connection with Easter is really linked to the experiences I had at Swiss Labrie, particularly back in 1996 that were really fundamental for me shifting, beginning the shift away from agnosticism and towards Christianity. Um, so um, it was actually Good Friday of all times when I was in the tutorial session with my tutor and um you know, I, I had this this experience this experience of realizing that that a relationship had developed between the two of us, and that to the to the extent that this was someone that I respected and valued, not just as a, as a person and as a as a man, you know, twenty years my senior, but as as somebody who was a almost a father figure to me, and I and I of course didn't realize that at the time, but here I was in the context of that tutorial and that at that moment laying out some of the most painful and kind of irreversible effects of the abuse that my biological father the sexual abuse that my biological father had perpetrated against me and in the context of that very discussion you know this fellow this man you know, me, me saying that, I guess, really the words that came out of my mouth were um, the implications of this abuse are that I'm unlovable by my father and by any father. And I remember this, I remember very clearly, and we probably talked about this on an earlier podcast, but I think it bears repeating. 
you know, and his words to me were, I'd love to have you as my son. And, uh, you know, very it's kind of taciturn, emotionally, fairly um, low-key kind of guy, you know, in tears. And then he takes down the photographs off of his wall and starts beginning to introduce me to all of his relatives because he's introducing me to my new family. So it's difficult for me to make a theological correlation there. I wouldn't want to say that theologically on the one hand, that's always what would happen. But I think there is some real theological con- continuity between my experience, let's say, and what's happening, like what Easter is about. Easter is about breaking down barriers. This is exactly what Jesus' life and death did. They broke down barriers. And if we go back into the Old Testament, we look back at Genesis 12 and we see this promise made to Abraham and then this covenant with Israel and this long series of kind of up and down, 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 up and down, down, down. And and in other words, some things go well, and then a lot of things go badly with the covenant, until finally we've got to the point where the Jews are essentially in exile in their own land. They're an exiled people because they've been dominated and are being kind of kept down by the Romans, a governing and a, and a kind of uh, um, imposing force. And... I think really my experience of Good Friday was so rattling to me, not just because it, it, it changed me and it made me see that the world was a different place than I could have possibly imagined it. If you think you're not able to be loved by, clearly by your own father, but by, by anyone, because if my father would treat me that way, well, anyone would, right? If my father who should love me didn't, why would somebody who has no reason to love me? And to see that reversed, on the one hand, was just unbelievably overwhelming. But as I began, I suppose, to reflect on some of the further implications and the kind of points of intersection, I guess I would say that there was a lot of undoing of barriers for me on a personal level that are very similar, I think, to what um, the effect of Jesus' life and death are for human beings corporately. But how do you experience this in the present? Like, so what, like, what was your experience on Sunday? Um, you know, it was mixed. It was mixed. I'm listening to the words that are being spoken. I'm, I'm still, you know, we may have talked about this before. I, I'm still very leery of songs and hymns. I like singing. I like music. But it's difficult typically when we're in churches because the people who are making the songs and music we sing are very rarely people who are good with their theology as opposed to people who are good with music. So the music can be good, but the songs and the the content, the lyrical content can be really questionable. So I, you know, I have a hard time with that. And that's just something at this point I, I deal with. I don't go up and complain to whoever is choosing the worship, because I'm glad that that person's doing that job. Um, and that's a big, big, long conversation. It's not, I'm just not going to come along and drop a bomb into that. But I don't think I'm getting the sense of your question. I guess what I'm trying to... So, in other words, when you go to church on Easter, do you have mm-hmm. a particular experience of... So my growing up experience was, you know, Easter was this big, like, um, 
rejoicing that Jesus had died on the cross and that now there's eternal life. And so I'm, and I never, I mean, I would kind of get, you know, swept away by it sometimes, but I don't know. I'm just kind of curious, like what, I would say you're much further along in your faith than I am. So you go to church on Easter, like what, what do you come away from that experience with? Are you, are you feeling that same sense of like, oh, it's so great that Jesus did this? Or are you are you thankful? Are you retrospect? Are you introspective? Are you like what? What's going on in your head that it's Easter? Is it okay. what's its significance to you? Okay. Well, I guess the main significance that I'm seeing in the last number of years is the continuity of. <clears throat> the Easter story with the whole story of Israel. And I think, you know, I mentioned that it was painful at uh, certain points during the ecumenic, ecumenical Good Friday service. And and if I get away from the kind of the, the politics involved, some of the, the, the main pain points, we're seeing how the story was made to be not not continuous. It was this kind of fragmented thing. I think on the one hand, it's the continuity of the story that that the story of Jesus and particularly Jesus death and resurrection is hugely involved with the story of Israel in other words it only makes sense in that context because otherwise we have you know Israel be uh, pardon me Easter becomes this just another opportunity to to kind of lay on this guilt trip <laughs> the guilt trip that you know you've done wrong things wrong, wrong against God and you've done this and that and, and you know and I I go back to that and I think really what did I do wrong against God? When did God and I have a chat? When was this put out? How did this all happen? You know, but when we see it in the context of the story of Israel, and we see this ongoing relationship, and we see it faltering, and we see, and yet there's supposed to be this 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 amazing. Uh, reality for all human beings that the product of the relationship between God and Israel, this this kind of uh, promise to to uh, uh, Abraham in Genesis twelve one to three really that that the whole earth is going to be renewed or as the you know the NRSV talks about being blessed through Abraham, and so I think. Easter has lost its sense of being a guilt trip. Easter has lost its sense for me of being something that I should be coming on board with. There are no longer any shoulds. And I think it held that sense as long as it was disconnected from the greater narrative of Israel because that's what makes it make sense, right? That's what makes it make sense that, no, I don't, there is no relationship particularly with me or my ancestors with God. That's not how it went. God showed up in particular ways and in powerful ways. And there was a trajectory of interaction and, and of intention, really, right? Through the text and through, through what was happening. And it wasn't until, you know, the book of Acts, where is it? Uh, is it Acts 10? When Peter goes to Cornelius, and this is the point where things really just completely break open, for the Gentiles. And, the, you know, that's me. That's the camp I'm in. And I got to say, it kind of sucks. It really does kind of suck to be a nobody in this story. But the reality is most of us are nobodies in this story, and we all want to be somebodies. Well, you know, hard luck. 
the people that were the, that were the somebodies, they sh- they did not shine. You know, the Israelites did not shine. And I, you know, reality is, I would have done no better. I I I'm sure of it. I would not have shone myself. But I wasn't involved in this story the way they were. And um, so I guess I guess Easter for me is a lot of a time to be aware that I have there are opportunities here and they are just they're amazing opportunities. You know, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to um have to to be able to know who this entity might be. To know that this entity exists. To be able to discuss this, to be able to have the kind of opportunities to be in right relationship with God, thereby to be in right relationship with myself and to be in right relationship with others. So I guess, you know, um, I like what you're saying there about the guilt trip because I think that's a a good way of summing up how, well, the the evangelical churches I've been to, that's how, that's what the service is all about. It's maybe not so much a guilt trip so much as wow, we have so much to be thankful for that, that, you know, Jesus took the hit for us so that, you know, we can have eternal life and, and all that other stuff. Yeah, but I don't even think that that part's, I think that part's off too. You know, the whole part about you're either feeling guilty or made to feel guilty if you don't feel happy. And if you're feeling happy, you've got to feel ecstatic because it's all about eternal life. And I, don't think, I just don't think that's right. No, yeah, we've got that a few times. I think it's correct. I think that that's true, that there's a, there is an ongoing and unending relationship that w- that, 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 that's occurring now. But the problem is focusing on that. A, like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a stupid guy. And, but, and maybe this is, a, is an area of particularly where I'm particularly ungifted and uncreative. But I have a very hard time imagining eternal life. It just doesn't kind of grab me and go, oh, wow, this is fantastic. Particularly because, you know, a lot of things about my life suck. And who would want that going on forever? And I'm a guy who lives in the West. I'm rich. <laughs> I'm the richest 10% of the world. So if I have a hard time imagining, you know, eternal life, and no, but my it'll life all be perfect. Is... It'll all be perfect then. Well, what does that mean? Well, how is it going to be perfect? <laughs> you know, you go back to things, something like the Matrix, and and they, you know, that there's that conversation in the second Matrix movie or whatever with uh, Neo, and um, they're discussing how the original Matrix, everything was perfect, but but the people just start dying. These, you know human beings that they were using like batteries or, or, or energy cells, um, they, they wouldn't accept it because it didn't work. You know, there, there, in other words, there needs to be some kind of tension within human existence. That's part of who we are, right? Anticipation, all these other sorts of things. If I know everything's going to be perfect, like, in other words, it's something that we don't have worked out well at all. We just come somehow think that all of our problems are going to be uh, taken care of. And, and I think it's a lot more than that. And, you know, I know this is going to sound potentially really strange coming from me, but frankly, I, I don't think about it. I just don't take the time to think about eternal life. It's not something I ponder. It's not something I get into. And, you know, if somebody said to me, I'm not really sure to, where to go with this, my, my honest answer would be, don't think about it. I mean, on the one hand, do you 
is it important to to believe in it? Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, if you mean is it important important to believe that it's true versus it's false? Yeah, I would say so. But I think that's about all you all you do with it. You know, I don't I don't know what God's I don't know what how I will perceive God. I don't know how I will perceive uh, you know, a new earth. I don't know how I will perceive perceive being in a new or raised or resurrected body. I don't know any of those things. And I don't honestly think that Christians are called to that. So if you're getting all hyped up about eternal life, I would ask yourself some questions. I mean, stories sound like a pain in the butt here, but what's that about? You know, really, do you understand that? And if you understand it, please call <laughs> right in, right in, help me because I don't get it. You know, I don't, I don't get how we can have a, it's, it's such a, a vastly different conception of existence than I currently have that it, it seems like I don't, it's like, it's like a, a formula that has too many variables and not enough static components. It's unsolvable. I mean, I could be plugging in values forever and I could be hypothetically getting an answer, but one answer could be as good as the next. And that's not typically how formulas work, right? There, there will be some things that are the case, I think, when um, human existence changes, right, in that way. And when, um, uh, the, you know, there is the new heaven and the new earth, et cetera. I, but I don't know what those are. And I think some of, the, some of the ecstasy I think that people seem to experience, I just, honestly, John, I don't... I don't um, doesn't sound like doesn't you relate to it. Me. <laughs> no. no. Well, I, I not only don't relate to it, but I'm a little suspicious, I have to admit. Well, it's, it's funny because there, there's kind of a nice tie in here. With So I, for some reason, just felt led to go to church. So oh. th- there's, an, there's an Episcopal church in town, and I like, I've always liked the Episcopal liturgy, more so than the liturgies that at the other more liturgical traditions for some reason it just i don't know i just like it so i thought you know i'll just go i don't know why i think i don't know why but i just kind of feel like maybe i should go and maybe it'll be i don't know what it will be and so it it was it was a over it was it was a positive experience um but what what i was particularly touched by was the homily hmm. so the homily was about resurrection and resurrection and and in our lives and you know obviously the resurrection but the the priest or whatever you call him who gave the homily told the story of he had done a a service for kids and for small for younger children explaining Good Friday and the Easter story, and they had done kind of a, a toned down version, you know, so it's kind of age appropriate. And and mm-hmm. he told the story how this little girl came up to him afterwards and wanted more information. She just said, you know, like, what did they do to Jesus, and 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 why, and how, and and mm-hmm. how awful that was, and and so they got to the end, and, and he could tell that she was really troubled, and then it dawned on him that she didn't know the rest of the story. Oh. All she knew was that he, he she had heard the part because they'd got, gotten to Good Friday, but they hadn't gotten to the Easter part of the, the, the resurrection part of the story. And so it dawned on him that, that she thought the story ended there. 
And so he's and so he then continued the story as he talked with her and you know explained that in fact Jesus died but then came back to life 3 days later. Mm. Mm. And she was amazed and she was like, "Wow, that's really cool." <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, yeah it is." And then she asked him another question. She said, and this is totally resonating with me. She said, "But is it true?" Oh, wow. And he said, Sometimes I ask myself that question too. Is it true? I was like, oh, this is my kind of service. Like, <laughs> this, this, is, this is my kind of place. Like, instead of assuming that mm. this is the good news and everyone's got it and Jesus rose from the dead, isn't this great? That there's some doubt, that there's some... Uh, I don't know. It was just, I was just very touching to me. It just kind of, I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, that kind of hit me right where I'm at. Nice. Wow. Sounds like this guy was really honest. Yeah. That, I think there was a sense of, I don't know, vulnerability or I don't know what the, yeah, I don't know what part of it was, but it just, yeah. I, having usually experienced so much hype and happiness on Easter, mm-hmm. this, well, it's a more liturgical service, so there's really not room for that as much. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, it just it just resonated more with me than and some of those other services. So, Well, that's, re- you know, it's really interesting. And I, I wonder if, if part of what's missing in there, part of what I would kind of identify when, when you're talking about that is almost this difference between, you know, for so many Christians, it seems like Easter's the time when we get to say, see... See, it's really true. See? Versus, you know, I guess when I'm there, it's like, yes, I believe that. And I'm reaffirming my belief in that. I don't know if it's true or not. I can't prove it. I don't think it could be disproved. But in other words, there's a different way of engaging with it. And it seems to me this kind of whole victorious orientation is... It's one thing to be positive. It's one thing to say, I believe something and I commit to it for these reasons. And if you asked me and laid it out, asked me to lay them out for you, I could. And, and maybe I would think that they should be compelling for you too. Or maybe I can't lay it out. You know, it's, it's too cluttered and murky in my mind, but I still hold to it. Versus the kind of almost, yeah, victory victory orientation or victorious orientation that seems to me to kind of cover over the things you're talking about. No, I, I really like that. No, I think that's a really good way. Um, yeah. Cause it would be summed up as, you know, Christ was victorious over death. He was victorious over the grave. And because of that, we have so much hope today and. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that, that whole thing just doesn't ring true to me. You know, I believe those things. I believe them as, as, as statements of, of, you know, what I think as reality. But on the other hand, I just don't think that putting those things together in that way should result in the type of attitude that we often experience. And you seem to be, you know, describing from maybe your past. In other words, taken outside of the story, on the one hand, the story of Israel, and then taken outside of the fact that this is a call to renew your commitment, or to consider it. Do you really believe this? You know, 
And if you don't, it doesn't mean you have to leave, but it means you have to be honest with yourself mm -hmm. and then maybe think, oh, what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. well, good question. You know, and I just don't think we do that in churches. And I think that's part of what breeds, you know, it's like treating yourself with junk food. This isn't a time for you. In other words, when people – to treat yourself, don't, don't give yourself something that's bad for you. Don't treat yourself, in other words, as a Christian with this kind of victorialism or vic victor victorious orientation that's going to say, oh, yeah, well, I don't have to think about it that way. I don't have to go through that. I don't have to deal with doubt. This is just the facts. And, you know, those people, those non-Christians out there, they don't get it. And that's just, you know, too bad for them because I can, at this particular moment, forget about them and it's all about me. Well, you know, um, sometimes it is all about us, but I think it's a whole lot more complicated than that. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions on this episode, so leave a comment at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 86. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.